With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host. Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Recording today from the Vivid Seats studio with Scott Mason with a reminder that with promo code OVERTIME, you get 10% off your first purchase using their mobile app for any ticket to any sporting event up to $100. That is promo code OVERTIME. Take advantage of that. Also, if you are going out to Jets-Cowboys this weekend, which is now more of a worthwhile experience since Sam Darnold will be playing, uh, our friends at Game Day Tailgate Experience will be hosting a free tailgate at the Secaucus Junction, all-you-can-eat buffet, cash bar, games, giveaways. Tony Richardson will be there. Check it out at Game Day Tailgate Experience. We'll have links with more info in this week's 12-pack. I've tweeted it out a few times. also on our Facebook page. That's Game Day Tailgate Experience. Make sure to check that out for Jets-Cowboys, and they'll also have another one on the road for Jets-Jaguars. More info to come on that later. Before we get into our conversation with Scott, we will talk everything about Sam Darnold's return and previewing Jets-Cowboys in Week 6. A reminder to subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, also available on TurnOnTheJets.com, and we will tweet it out from at Jay Caparoso and to follow Scott on Twitter at play like a jet one off the top scott we finally finally got some good news in what has been a pretty uniquely miserable jet season so far sam donald is cleared medically not just to practice but for contact he will start for the new york jets at home against the dallas cowboys this week dallas coming in at three and two Jets coming in at 0-4 after another stomping at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles. Tight end Chris Herndon will also return from suspension. So will outside linebacker and special teamer Brandon Copeland. Uh, no word on the status yet of C.J. Mosley or Jordan Jenkins. Not as positive if those guys are going to be back quite yet. But at a minimum, we will get Darnold and we will get Herndon back. What was your initial reaction to the news i had said anything before the new england game would be a pleasant surprise so i do actually consider this a pleasant surprise i after seeing what happened last week i was mildly pessimistic that he was not going to be ready for this game so i think it you know net net considering the situation him missing three games is not quite as bad as it could have been definitely still a concerning injury but at a minimum, him and Herndon will make this watchable football again. I don't know if it's immediately going to be good football, and I don't know if the Jets are a contender overnight, but what we watched the past three weeks was not watchable football and was basically just all sour milk, and I want to throw it all out and act like it never happened, and I'm ready to actually like watch and engage with the game. So what were your initial thoughts and reactions to the return of Darnold? Well, first, Joe, just wanted to throw in there with Mosley. As of now, 
the news isn't looking great. Gase was talking at the presser the other day about Mosley, and he made it sound like they're not super optimistic that he's going to be able to play on Sunday. So I'm going to guess that there's a decent chance he doesn't play. But just getting Darnold back and Herndon, obviously, is huge. Brandon Copeland is nice, and those are words I never thought I'd say because all due respect to Brandon Copeland, he's an okay player, but it's not really anybody that you should get excited about except now when you get excited about literally anything. Darnold coming back is great news. I know that a lot of people are going to say they should keep him out longer and that they should be extra cautious. The thing is, if he's medically cleared, then he's at no more risk of getting injured than he was before his spleen got large because of the mono. And so even if he's rusty or you think that he's going to be at 50% strength, let's be real about it. Donald at 50% strength is about a thousand times better than Luke Falk. And that's why my reaction, Joe, was yay. Because, as you said, it wasn't even that the Jets were losing. It was how they were losing. It was flat-out unwatchable football. I was there in Philly on Sunday, and it's funny because my buddy who I went with, my buddy Steve, who always hooks me up with free tickets. So, Steve, thanks for that. We were hanging out, and he was wearing a Jets jersey and a Jets hat, and no Eagles fan said or did anything to him because I think they just felt bad. There was no reason to heckle him or yell. The Eagles were dominating from the beginning. And the thing was, you just felt like it was completely hopeless. Like, you could have the Jets offense out there for 16 quarters and they weren't going to be able to do anything. So that is a huge weight lifted off of the shoulders of Jets fans in terms of, okay, now we can watch this game and at least have something to watch for with the return of Darnold and with the return of Herndon. Luke Falk, bless his heart, I still think that maybe if he works at it, and he develops, he could possibly turn into a passable backup at some point down the line. That day is nowhere near close. He looked like a deer in headlights for the games that he started. He was really bad against the Pats. He was even worse against the Eagles. Joe, I was there, so I saw the entire field, and I wasn't just constrained by what you could see on television. Luke Falk couldn't see the field at all, not even a little. There were receivers that were open, and he just didn't see them. The offensive line didn't do many favors, but there were a ton of times that he just held the ball forever. Zero pocket presence, and so it was hopeless. The offense was never going to be able to do anything with that offensive line and with a quarterback who couldn't see the field and couldn't get rid of the ball. And now at least you have Darnold back. And for as poor as the offensive line has looked, now you at least have somebody behind center who is confident and who you have faith in that can make some throws. He may not necessarily be a Darnold that we saw the last four weeks of last season right off the bat, but just having that hope, Joe, is huge. I believe I said to my dad, who I go to all the games with, that this was a huge thing for us in terms of motivating us as far as wanting to go to the game because we were going to go regardless, but it was almost going to feel like a chore going with Luke Falk at quarterback, with Darnold back and with Herndon back. It feels a lot more like, yay, we're going to a football game. So that was really my reaction was, Oof, I'm going to this game, and it's not going to be something that I'm going to regret after the game is over where I'm going to have to wash it out of my mind. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. There's watchable football and there's football worth sort of diving into and breaking down a little bit more. And, you know, Darnold's progression the rest of the year is ultimately going to probably be the most valuable thing in determining what the future direction of this franchise is and how we evaluate what this season is. Candidly, the Jets, you know, they start off 0-4. They still have a challenging set of games coming up up ahead. I'm running a Twitter poll right now. Got 2,400 votes as of the recording of this in the first couple hours. How many games will the Jets win this season? 68% of people said six games or less. Uh, the remaining 32 said somewhere between 7 and 10, the more optimistic people of the group. I had originally picked the Jets to be 8 and 8 this year. Uh, I thought they would start 2 and 4 in their first six and then, you know, get a little hotter when the schedule got softer. Theoretically, they're not guaranteed to stay off that track yet if they beat Dallas and they beat New England and got to 2 and 4 and went from there. Realistically, if you ask me today, I think they're a five or six win team the rest of the year, and that five five or six wins is obviously easier to stomach if Sam Darnold is playing consistently good football, and that will be the only thing that Adam Gase will really be able to hang his hat on and make his case on if he wants to come back for year two, because really, this season could go two different ways. The Jets can finish, let's call it somewhere between six and ten or eight and eight, where over the rest of the year, they're 500 or better, and Darnold is playing well. He's playing like he played against Houston and Green Bay for four or five games in a row or for 70 to 80% of the remaining time of the season. There's another way this season goes where the Jets finish you know, 3-13 and 13 or 4-12, and 12 and their only wins are against teams like Miami, who are trying to lose, and Washington, who might as well be trying to lose. And Darnold is up and down and generally not quite to our expectations. And in my mind, you then clean out the entire coaching staff. So we're going to find out a lot in these next 12 games because the excuses, particularly when it comes to the offense, are gone. Now, I think we've had a situation where the Jets' talent has been horrific and not something they could pragmatically win with the past few weeks. However, that does not absolve what I think has also been bad coaching. And I think you've seen a combination of, yeah, the Jets probably should have lost those last three games with the talent they put out there. Should they have been a complete embarrassment like the way they were and putting up historically awful numbers? I don't know if it's necessarily at that level yet. All that goes out the window now. If they can go out and compete these next few weeks and beat a couple teams who aren't Miami and Washington, I would say. So can you upset Dallas at home as a you know an eight-point underdog? Can you show up against New England? Washington was down 12-7 at the half to New England. Can you not be down 21-0? Can you beat Jacksonville on the road, a team who's okay, will probably be 7-9 or 8-8 eight eight this year? Um, and then can you beat teams like the Giants and Raiders and Steelers who are bad but are not you know Miami or Cincinnati, Washington bad? That's what's going to kind of determine with this season. So the hope is that we see what this offense is actually capable of. uh, And it's not so horizontal and it's a little more aggressive and it attacks more because look, Dallas is a very good team. I don't, I think they're three and two. They lost to probably the two best teams in the NFC the past two weeks in the Saints and Packers. Uh, I'm not sure if they're as good as they looked the first three weeks, but it's still a team with a lot of talent on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, And it's still not going to be the easiest matchup in the world, but this should be a game that is not 20 to nothing at halftime like the past two weeks have been. This should be a competitive game. 
what are your what do you think this offense looks like? What are your expectations for how many points you think this team should score against Dallas? I think at this point, if you could get Darnold at seventy five percent of what he was before mono for this game, you would be happy with it, especially compared to what we've been watching. I think the fair expectation is that they should be able to score in the 20s if they're able to game plan properly because I think that if the offensive line, to be fair, the offensive line is terrible, but Alex Lewis, and this is not getting talked about enough, and credit to Michael Manier for going back and really looking at this, but Alex Lewis was a major improvement over Kelechi Assembly. He was one of the bright spots on the offensive line this week. In fact, the only bright spot, really. So if the offensive line can at least play somewhat passable and give Le'Veon Bell a little bit of space, that'll help take a little bit of the pressure off Darnold. But now at least the Dallas defense has to respect who the quarterback is. And so it won't just be everything that's like, hey, try and beat us this way, and the quarterback can't. Darnold should be able to take advantage of some things. So if Gase is creative with his teaming, I think that there's reason to believe that they could score 20 points or something along those lines. The thing that's going to be interesting here is the defense. Can the defense continue to play bend but don't break? I know against Philly there were a lot of opportunities that Philly didn't cash in on. Carson Wentz missed a fair amount of throws that would have put Philly up by much more than they actually won by. But Dallas is missing two of their best offensive linemen. Brandon Copeland's coming back. We don't know about Jenkins yet. And you would think that if at any point the Williams boys are going to show themselves to be dominant, this would be it if those two linemen are out for this game. The Jets aren't going to be able to win in a shootout, but if they can score 20 points or more, I think they could at least be competitive. I think that's a fair expectation, even if Donald is only at, say, 75%. I, 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 I admire you holding on, but I am not expect, expecting anything near dominant from Leonard Williams. Maybe Quentin Williams, but nothing from Leonard Williams at this point. I'm saying if it was ever going to happen, this would be the time. I'm not saying it's going to. <laughs> let's, let, let's hope, because I feel like we've had the game against the beat-up offensive line 6,000 times, and it hasn't converted yet. Look, I think defensively, I, again, was not as crazy about the Greg Williams hire as most people were, and I had some real questions about how this defense would come together, and you still see you know, some weird breakdowns like Kyle Phillips covering a running back out of the backfield, but overall, I think Williams has done a good job through the first quarter of the season. I think considering what he has to work with a cornerback with Tremaine Johnson being basically useless out there... Uh, Less than encouraging performances from Leonard Williams, not having Quentin Williams for most of the first four games, no C.J. Mosley, no Jordan Jenkins. I think he's done a good job so far, and I hope that that continues because if it does, it will allow the Jets to be competitive these next few weeks. Um, you know, Dallas obviously could run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott, and Amari Cooper has been really good since he's went over there on the transaction. Our old boy Devin Smith is running around as well. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But the defense has, you know, kind of held up their end of the bargain uh, for the most part this season. They've had some breakdowns, but on the whole, it's been better. It's been a well organized unit to an extent, and I've been pleasantly surprised with how well they paid. I played. I wouldn't mind seeing them go back to Nate Harrison over Tremaine Johnson, but maybe at that point, it's just details. But guys like Brian Poole have been really encouraging. I think there's something there, definitely, with Blake Cashman. Neville Hewitt's been adequate as a fill-in. 
Um, for C.J. Mosley, you're going to have to ask Manish what, why he thinks Darren Lee would make any type of difference. I certainly don't agree with that. Oh, I did. <laughs> and you're going to hear about it on this week's podcast. I, I asked him quite a bit about that. <laughs> um, look, uh, it's, uh, it's a game that, look, I think your expectations are fair. Like, I think, is Darnold going to be a true, true 100%? No, but he's out there, and the expectation is to produce. And if this team is going to go out and score – 16 points and with one of the touchdowns coming from the defense or special teams or nine points, people are rightly going to be angry. And Gase's hot seat is going to actually become very hot. I don't think we're there yet. I'm not, again, I'm not a fan of the hire and I do not think he's the guy who's going to ever win anything of consequence with this team. But you can't reasonably put him on the hot seat until we see him out there for a few weeks with Darnold. But the temperature is going to go up really fast if the Jets' offensive output is like it was in week one against Dallas and New England. And I know Darnold was probably not fully himself, but you still have to find a way to get more than eight points on offense. You just you just have to. I mean, too many other teams in the league are getting points and scoring points with uh, less than this desirable situations. And I think the Jets, if they're going to salvage this season in any type of interesting, incredible way, you kind of got to find a way to win two of these next three. And I think the two that are the most prime for it are Dallas and Jacksonville. Uh, I don't think the Jets are ready to beat New England. I think New England's the best team in the league, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won 14, 15, or maybe even 16 games this year with how their schedule breaks down. Um, but, you know, you start 0-6, you start 0-7, it, it's just... It's such a hole and such a drag down on the year that even though you get your Miami and Washington games, I don't know. I don't know how excited I'm going to be if the Jets beat Miami 20-13 to 13 when Miami's trying to lose or how much I'm really going to care about that or if that really even means anything. Kind of the same deal with Washington if they're trotting out Colt McCoy with Bill, Can- Bill Callahan coaching them. I want to see them beat some teams who are – not going to be picking in the top three of the NFL draft. And showing up against Dallas, a team who's now lost two games in a row, would be you know, a really good step in the right direction. There should be life in the stadium. There should be life in the locker room, getting your quarterback and tight end back. Um, and this team should not show up sleepwalking at all. They should hopefully come firing out of the gates and give people some things to cheer about. Because again, these first four games... No no type, as I wrote yesterday, no type of fan deserves it. Whether you're one of the overly optimistic apologist Jet fans, whether, whether you're one of the more negative or pragmatic Jet fans, or whether you're one of the same old Jet fans, this has just been like as bad as it's gotten over these nine years. And just give us some you know, exciting and watchable football because really offensively, Le'Veon Bell's been the only person worth watching through these first four games. And I think... You know, can Robbie Anderson show signs of life? Can Jamison Crowder get back in the mix, not to the extent he was in week one, but to a more reasonable extent? Um, what is Herndon going to do right out of the gate? Is there anything to be done with Ty Montgomery? Um, can a guy like Alex Lewis be useful on offense going forward? And will they stay with him as a starter? I think they should. Uh, he certainly looked better than what we've seen from Osemele. And if he's not going to replace him, replace Brian Winters, who is awful. Um, and you hope that they could find a way to compete, man. I mean, I think now, you know, you got your quarterback back and you're on the clock now of being treated like a real football team by everybody. Uh, I mean, what if you had to say right now, like, what do you think this team's final record ends up being? You know, I think expectations are a little bit tricky right now. And there are a variety of reasons why, and we can get into that in a second, but first, 
I just want to remind people that if you've been scared of betting on the Jets for the last couple of weeks because you figure that they're either going to get killed and you don't want to have to read against them if you bet against them or it was a fool's errand to bet on them or because you felt that with your luck the Jets would find a way to cover, you would lose and the Jets would lose and it would be double the pain. Well, at least now you have a reason to get back into the betting game involving the Jets with Sam Darnold there. Better chance than ever that the Jets are going to cover the spread against the Dallas Cowboys. So go over to mybookie.ag and sign up right now. You don't have to just bet on the games. You can also bet on props. Like, for instance, how many yards will Jamison Crowder have this week? He seemed to be Sam Darnold's favorite target week one. How many yards is Le'Veon Bell going to have? How many sacks will Leonard Williams have? I'll give you a hint. Not going to be a lot. So you can go ahead and bet on that at mybookie.ag. And if you sign up now, good news is they will match your first deposit. So whatever your first deposit is, it gets doubled at mybookie.ag as long as you use the promo code OVERTIME. So head over there right now. And you might want to even use my brother Craig's picks. When you listen to the pregame report on Sundays, he does his picks, and he's been nailing it. He's 3-1 and one in his teasers. He's also well above 500 in his individual picks. So feel free to use Craig's picks when you go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. I think what you're looking at is a situation where this could very easily get to 0-7 because Dallas is clearly a better team than the Jets. So if they can't beat Dallas, they're probably not beating New England, let's be honest. We both believe that New England is a far superior team even with Darnold. Then you have to go into Jacksonville, which a lot of people thought was going to be a relatively winnable game, and it still is winnable. But a lot of people weren't counting on Gardner Minshew being as good as he's been. So I think that going into Jacksonville now all of a sudden becomes a lot tougher than people believed. If they go to 0-7, they do still have plenty of winnable games because in addition to Washington and in addition to the two games against Miami, you've got a really bad Giants team. And I know that everybody was making a big deal about Daniel Jones the first two weeks, but if you watch the tape, there were signs that were similar to what we saw the first few weeks of Mark Sanchez's rookie year where he was producing, but there were a lot of things that you could see on tape that if a smart defensive coordinator had some time to study it, they were going to be able to pick apart. And we saw that in the Giants' most recent loss to the Vikings. The Redskins uh, are, are not the only bad team in that division, so keep your eye on that with the Giants. And the Bengals are obviously absolutely awful as well. You also have the Steelers who... I don't even know what's going on with Mason Rudolph now, but obviously Big Ben is out. So those are all very winnable games. But the problem, Joe, is that if they start out 0-7, is Adam Gase going to be able to keep these guys on track, or is he going to lose the locker room and they're not going to put in the type of effort that he needs to win those easier games? Because we've seen stuff like that happen, and that's going to be another thing that we really need to judge Gase on is how does he keep this together if they get off to that disastrous start, that could very well happen. If he's able to keep it together and they're able to turn things around and play better down the stretch and at least win a significant number of games and Darnold looks good, like you were saying, and the offense starts to click, then you and me and some of the other people that have been very, very critical of Gase are going to be a little bit more reassured. We'll say, okay, we're still not sold on him, but at least he's shown us that he might have something here. But if at 0-7 this thing starts to crater and Gase loses control, and we've heard him in press conferences, Joe, again, people will say, oh, it's refreshing that he makes players take responsibility. I'm sure, but I'm not so sure that like Robbie Anderson is going to want to be called out by his coach 
with impending free agency coming, by the way, when the team's 0-7. Losing makes a lot of people become malcontents. I love Jamal Adams, but look at what just recently happened with that WFAN spot. I really don't care that much whether he's on WFAN, but that's kind of a weak look because if you're canceling on WFAN a couple of weeks into the season just because things aren't going well and you don't want to have to deal with questions like that, well, what's going to happen when this team starts 0-7? And is Adams going to be the only one? Are we going to start to see more guys fold? whether they, they let you know about it in public or whether it's just one of those deals like we've seen in the past, players just kind of stop giving it their all, not necessarily because they're consciously doing it, but because it's just human nature. So this has potential to get really, really, really bad if Gase can't steer the ship properly and can't keep control, which is something he had trouble doing in Miami. I think realistically, you're looking at a team that could, believe it or not, still win six or seven games. I don't think they're getting to eight or nine now, probably, but I said before the season that seven to nine was your most realistic range. The thing was, obviously, as we know, Joe, they didn't have a ton of margin for error. This wasn't a team that was very deep, so if they lost a guy like C.J. Mosley, or especially Darnold, obviously, if you start losing players like that, you're going to have a major problem on your hands because you don't have the depth that you need to be able to get by for a few games. So if they're able to overcome the obstacles of an 0-6 or an 0-7 or an 0-5 start or whatever it is, then they could probably still win six or seven games. But if this thing gets out of control and Gase can't maintain it, it could get really ugly because as much as we want to joke that the Redskins are a gimme and the Bengals are a gimme and the Giants are a gimme, who knows, really? I mean, all it takes is Andy Dalton and A.J. Green have a really good day against Tremaine Johnson, who, by the way, I don't want to see anymore. Just sit him on the bench and never play him again. It was embarrassing that he was even on the field because at first I'm texting Matt Stubblekowski from NJ.com, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I saw Nate Hairston during warm-ups. Where is he? Is he dead? What happened? Why is Tremaine Johnson on the field? He's like, I don't know. I'm going to ask afterwards. And then, of course, the answer that was given by Gase made me just want to strangle him where he said, oh, well, Tremaine looked good in practice this week. Oh, well, that's good because, you know, looking him out there on the field is the slowest guy on the field, getting penalties and getting beat like a drum all day. So do you have a situation where, where these guys are not able to play even remotely decent in certain spots or, or they lose a motivation to do so? You could lose a Bengals game. You could lose a Giants game. You could even lose against Washington because we don't really know yet how the Redskins are going to respond to a new coach and a new quarterback. So we're going to find that out sooner rather than later. But it's very obvious that this could get out of hand if the Jets don't keep it together. They could win six or seven games, but let's be real, Joe. We both know this. It could be a 2-14 and season. All the teams that we are saying should be wins for the Jets, those teams are saying the same thing, except maybe for Miami, who's openly trying to go 0-16 in my mind. Which, of course, begs the question, would it be sweeter to lose to Miami when they're trying to win if the Jets are actually 0-7 going into that game? But that's a conversation for a different week. But, yeah, I mean, look, there's no guaranteed wins in the NFL. You know, I think a lot of us thought Oakland and Jacksonville would be easy games. And Oakland's 3-2, and and Jackson mm-hmm. has been really competitive with Gardner Minshew. And, you know, even Cincinnati, who's really bad, almost beat Seattle and, you know, has shown up a couple weeks. They're just a bad team who most weeks is not going to show up. But there's no gimmies. And I think with Gase... 
how he handles all this will be important. I think he's been, you know, a little up and down with what his responses has been. I think his game planning and his game strategy has been below average, and they were problematic things for him in Miami. And we have plenty of Dolphins fans laughing and, you know, pointing at us and saying, I told you so. This is what to expect. And he has, you know, a history and a resume he's going to have to overcome. But he's going to get the full 12 games to do it. There's no midseason firing happening here. And I don't necessarily ever believe that a midseason firing ever really does much anyway. Um, so he'll have 12 games to, you know, right the ship and hopefully grow and evolve in some way that makes this a consistently competitive product week after week. Because breaking the habit of losing is a challenge. It's not just you get your quarterback and tight end back and you hit a switch and you immediately go out there and start beating up on everybody. You know, it's tough to get out of that habitual losing of not just losing, but having games over at halftime. You know, I don't even feel like the second half of those last really the last three games even really mattered at all. I understand there's been some like garbage time touchdowns thanks to special teams errors, but all three of those games were over at halftime. No reasonable person thought the Jets were coming back in any of those games, and the Jets played it that way, and they were running the clock out with like 10 minutes left. Uh, now we're back to competitive football, and you know they didn't execute late in the Buffalo game when they had a chance to win. Uh, Buffalo's a good team, obviously, from what we've seen, but Dallas is a good team, and the Jets are going to have to execute late in a competitive game. So how does the game management come through there, and can they show up? And look, I mean, MetLife Stadium – is going to be 70% Cowboys fans or something like that would be my guess. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. And I don't begrudge Jet fans for that because they've been really bad for a really long period of time. And when the team is good and competitive, fans show out. I went to seven of the eight games in 2015. Uh, and the crowds are great, particularly for the New England game late in the year. When the Jets win, people show up. When they don't win, people don't show up. And teams that have big national followings like Dallas – are going to have a big contingency at the stadium. It's just it is what it is, and it happens at other the other teams who've been struggling too. We saw all the Patriot fans at the Redskins game, so you know, hopefully, despite probably a less than normal home crowd, the Jets could find a way to beat Dallas. And if they do, I think you get a little more buzz and excitement around a Monday night game against New England. No one wants to go into a Monday night game against New England as zero and five going against a six and zero team. Yes, I think they're going to beat the Giants this Thursday night. Um, not going to be a fun situation for anybody, you know, with how the Pats have been playing. Also, knowing that the Pats have 10 days to prepare or 11 days to prepare for that game. Of course, NFL schedule makers, like, they need the extra days to prepare. All right, we're going to wrap. Uh, this is likely going to run a day earlier. Usually, we run on Thursdays. We're going to run this Wednesday since we had some good news to trail on with Darnold, but then we will be back next week. New episode talking about what happened with Dallas and to get you ready for the New England game. Scott, any final words? I just want to say that if only Luke Falk would have had first-team practice reps this past week and the week before, he might have been a Pro Bowl quarterback. I'm, just, I'm playing around, Joe. I know that a lot of people on Jets Twitter and such were, were going crazy about that. Uh, just wanted to throw out there the fact that I think that as much as I hate the Gase hire, He's gotten a bit of a raw deal so far from some corners. I know that the play calling hasn't been great, and there's certainly been reasons to be concerned about his coaching. I mean, for starters, the whole Le'Veon Bell thing where he's coming out and saying that a lot of the players were confused about where to line up. That's coaching, the penalties, and all of that. But I don't think that 20,000 practice reps are going to help Luke Falk. I think that Adam Gase realized his only chance to beat Philly was – 
Sam Darnold getting cleared to play. So he put all his eggs in the Darnold basket, hoping against hope that he would get cleared. It didn't happen. Luke Falk played, whatever. If you want to make the argument that giving Luke Falk a bunch of first-team reps would have made him marginally better, fine. But I just don't think that there was any way that they were going to be competitive with Luke Falk. Gase realized it. He tried his best to give the first-team reps to Darnold and have him ready in case he was ready to go. Didn't work out. So be it. But now we get to see what he can do, hopefully over the course of the rest of the season, because I don't want to jinx it. And this will be his big test. I don't think there's a very good chance that he gets fired, even if things go really poorly down the stretch, although crazier things have happened. I certainly don't think that he's getting fired throughout the season. So the one thing that I would tell Jets fans, and it's a saying that I've been using a lot lately from the late Hunter S. Thompson, when it comes to Adam Gase, like it or not, Buy the ticket, take the ride. He's going to be here the rest of the year no matter what. He'll probably be here longer than that, but he's at least going to be here the rest of the year. So let's see what he can do now. He's got Donald back. He's got Herndon. He's got 12 games now to state his case. Let's see what he can do. I hated the hire. He's given me no reason to like it, but I'm trying to be as fair as I can. Let's see what happens starting with Dallas on Sunday. I think that the Jets have a chance to be competitive in that game. I still think the Cowboys are probably going to win, but I definitely think that for the first time since week one, there's a reason to at least think that the Jets have a chance. And that's good. I hate to say that that's something that we should hang our hat on, but at this point, after what we watched the last couple of weeks, that's pretty much what I'm hanging my hat on. And last thing I'll say is, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, now at least this will give you a reason to listen to with Sam Darnold coming back. We've got Manish. You're listening to this on Wednesday. The podcast with Manish dropped today, and we had some fun chats about a variety of subjects. We went at it over the Luke Fox thing that I just mentioned, and we also went at it, Joe, as you brought up about the Darren Lee thing. So that was definitely an entertaining exchange. If you want to hear Manish's answer for why he said that about Darren Lee and that the Jets probably regret trading him, you can listen to the podcast. And then we've got fresh content every day, as you know, Joe. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Subscribe, rate, and review to Play Like a Jet to the Turn on the Jets podcast. Make sure you're visiting TurnOnTheJets.com. Joe, thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to, hopefully, a much more watchable game on Sunday. Thanks again for joining, Scott. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with another episode. Make sure to stay with us at TurnOnTheJets.com.